This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 47. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast, and today I'm happy to welcome Lee Martinuzzi from the Hidden Why Guy Podcast to the Baller Circle. Lee is an expert in lifestyle design. He helps people go from living a life they hate to living a life they love. He assess, he assists people via speaking, coaching, writing, and podcasting. He has a background being a senior executive in multiple positions for multinational corporations such as Aldi and Masters. And Lee finally realized at one point that he wasn't living the life that he wanted to live, that he wanted to find freedom and fulfillment and happiness. And he found that success and he changed his life. And now he spends his time helping other people find out what their whys are. So Lee, I'm happy to have you on the show. Uh, and the first question I want to ask you is, uh, so you, you currently live in Japan, is that correct? Yeah, mate. Yep. Okay. But you're from Australia. So I am, yeah. So how did that how did that transition happen? How did you end up in Japan and, and out of all the places to move in the world, why did you pick Japan? <laughs> yeah, good question. Um thanks for having me on the show too, Michael. It's it's great to be here. I I decided to come to Japan. Long story really, but I'll, I'll give you the short version. I was driving through um Tasmania, which is South Australia. It's a little island down there south of Australia and we we were just driving through this beautiful countryside and I just I just had this great sense of freedom and fulfillment in that moment and I said what are we doing like I was at the moment in real estate at that point and this was only what at the start uh, end of last year uh, so I was in real estate and look real estate was great there was a lot of good things about it but I just said to my wife I said what are we doing let's I mean this is what we love this is what we value in life Let's go and explore the world. Let's keep doing it. You know, let's take the kids with us. I've got a four-year-old and a one-year-old, and at the time they were, you know, just a bit under that. And that was the decision. And she sort of nodded and agreed, and as she sort of does, she supports me very well. <laughs> and so from that moment, I jumped on uh, that day. Actually, when we stopped for lunch, I jumped on the um, on the phone and just made a few emails. And I had some connections back in Japan because I lived there ten years ago when I was single and by myself. So I, I immediately reached out to them. I thought that'd be a good opportunity. Japan's a, a reasonably safe place to, you know, bring some kids and and have that experience. But it's also very different from from our, our you know, the Australian culture, I guess. So I thought, you know, it'd be give give us a good opportunity to have that adventure and also have that growth and that that learning experience that we sort of desire as well. So that's how it came about. Um, it was very sort of spare of the moment thing. And and from that, I got uh, an email saying, "Yep, there's an opportunity. Come over here." And it was a teaching opportunity to teach part-time as a, for a volunteer organization called UNESCO. And yeah, so we, we took up that opportunity. We packed our bags, sold our house, sold two properties actually, and sold our cars and most of our possessions. And yeah, now we're here. So that's, that's how that came about. I see. So, so have you cut all ties with uh, all of your business and positions and things that you were uh, doing before in Australia, uh, and 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 now you are a hundred percent in Japan, or do you still have some, um, I guess, some sort of ties or income coming from Australia from from prior uh, positions or, or companies? Yeah, I've got a business online, which is an outsourcing business. So it's based in the Philippines, and you know, it's a small business. We basically help. Um, secure 
a worker for for people in or anywhere in the world. It's called CM Wells Global Solutions, and our company company is Global Office Assistance. And basically, we secure up um, employees for people that you know need that extra help but can't afford perhaps someone in their hometown. Um, for me, that started when I was in real estate. I I realised that to get ahead and to to be more successful in real estate, I needed an assistant, and I couldn't afford at the time a personal assistant at $30 $35 an hour. And I found these workers in the Philippines that um, I could pay $7 an hour and get the same sort of quality of work done. So that's where I started that. And I thought, well, this is underutilized in Australia. So I created a company. And so I've still got that set up. I've still used that. And that gives me an income support. Uh, but other than that, no, everything else is is finished. I was in real estate. So that's my, that was my main income at that time. And certainly I'm not in real estate at the moment. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. So you decided to move to Japan. You're there now. What? So for other people who are thinking about making a move like that, what mm. are all the moving parts? What, what are things that people need to consider and what kind of challenges did you have when you were trying to uh, go from Australia to Japan? Um, look, there's a lot of challenges, I guess, that, that can be overcome. I don't think any challenge is too great if you're committed. Um, the main challenges are, are personal challenges, I suppose. But, you know, the, the the fear that you might have, the fear that you might face, the self doubt, the uncertainty, all those challenges, I think, are the, the greatest ones that you have to deal with. But things like selling a house, selling a car, or packing, you know, bags. I mean, all that stuff can get done. It might be a bit stressful, the thought of doing it. Um, but once you you get the sort of action going and get into flow, it, it mm. comes pretty easily. Um, so really, it's just dealing with those challenges, the the fear and the uncertainty and and what's going to come, you know, there's there's a lot of uncertainty about, you know, packing your bags and moving to an un- another country. You know, for example, for me, it was, you know, are the kids going to be happy? Are the kids going to be able to settle in? And that's my biggest, you know, priority in life is my children. So that was probably my biggest battle is how, how are they going to handle it? Um, apart from that, it's, you know, how are we going to afford this lifestyle? How are we going to um, keep the income coming in? I have the, the business, The Hidden Why, so that's my, my source of income. I coach people and do speaking engagements. Um, so it was how am I going to do that in a different country as well, and, and in Japan as well. So there was all those questions that came about, and and I suppose the advice I'd give for anyone else looking at doing something like that is really connecting with with your your inner why, and really understanding that, and then you can really understand your values as well from that. And as long as you're making the moves that make sense to your true self, to your values then that's fine. But I, I talk to a lot of people because a lot of people have been inspired by my move and have reached out to me and asked me questions and said, oh, you know, we'd really like to do it. It sounds like a great experience. And the first thing I ask them is, well, why are you doing it? Are you just doing it because it looks nice? Um, because I have to be truthful. I have to say, look, it's not all that easy. You know, it's not all that peachy. There's challenges to it. And if you're just seeing the stuff that might be on my Facebook page and creating this perception that it's all rosy and peachy, then I have to be honest and say, look, it's, it's just not like that. And are you doing it for yourself or are you just doing it because you think it's it's something? And is it a, a way to escape from your current existence? Because that's what a lot of people do. They feel this pain. They feel this suffering in what they're doing in life and they see something else and think, oh, that'll, that'll be a good path to, for me to follow. And it might be. It might be a good path for them to follow. But first, they need to really assess whether that is a path that they need to follow, you know, or is there a path that they can choose themselves? Because we often fall into the trap of looking outside ourselves and looking externally for another path. And that's not the way to go about life, you know, because it's just going to keep going around in circles. You'll go to, on that new path that someone else, um, you know, sort of suggested to you and you thought, oh, geez, that looks good. And then you'll find yourself back at the same spot. You'll find yourself, you know, back feeling of that, that level of pain and suffering that you, you had before. 
Um, so it's really, you know, the questioning that 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 self-meaning. What does it mean to you to move over there? You know, if that move is important to you and that move makes sense to you, then yeah, go for it and do the work, and and you'll get there. So how do you how do you figure that out? How do you because I think a lot of times people do think they they have made a strong assessment and they decided, hey, I want to make this move and I want to leave, you know, and, and go somewhere else. And then when they get there, it's exactly as you described it. It's not all roses, it's not all great, and then they re- and then they regret the decision. Um, so mm. I guess what what do you think is the right I guess questions to ask yourself, or how do you really get down to the real uh, reason? Uh, I guess your hidden why. How do you get to how do you get to that? <laughs> It, it takes a bit of work, and this is where I help people. I coach people, and and you know through the podcast that I've got, it's really you know you really have to dig deep and find your essence. And what happens as we are conditioned in life, we are we are handed a a map, you know, um, that that is it's not a bad map necessarily, but it's essentially someone else has created a map, which is the societal maps that we have in life, and we are handed this map and said, here, follow this path, and you'll you'll have happiness. And that is, you know, the path that most of us are used to. So we've we've got this um we've got this map that we have and we be handed and then we follow this path and it's education, you know, it told us to get a job and, and go to work and work hard and, and do all that stuff and you'll get some money and, and that's all good. And you know, buy a house and buy a car and you know, buy a TV and do all that stuff and, and we create this it's like a trapping, it, it stops us from being truly free. And it also conditions us to be a certain way and that covers our true essence that covers our why so what we need to do firstly is really start to uncover some of that dust that um, has been created from the conditioned life that we live and really digging within and asking ourselves the question well what's important to me you know what's my why what do i love what's my skill sets what am i great at um i actually have michael a discovery questionnaire it's a free questionnaire that um, your listeners can download um, if they want to go to my website i can give you the links later and that's really that that questionnaire to to dig back in and, and really start creating that awareness around who you are and what what life means to you. And then from that, we can then des- develop you know your val- your values in life. What are your value? Um, we can develop your dreams, and then we can better understand also our needs and desires. And that forms what I call the life compass. It's basically a guiding compass that can then allow you to make more purposeful action. So that's really what I've done, and I've done that work over the last several years, created this why. And so when I was thinking about making that move, I could then reflect back on all this stuff. Like I could reflect back on my values. I could reflect back on my needs and my dreams and say, well, is doing this move going to align with my values? Is it going to align with my dreams and still allow me to live towards my dreams? You know, is is it going to cover my needs that I have? And is it really going to take me towards, you know, living my legend, living my full potential? Um, so that's that's what I could go back on. So when I was making those decisions, I could look, reflect on that, and go, okay, well, what's what does this mean? If I go to Japan and I start doing this, is that going to is that going to take me off track? Is it going to put me on a different path? Um, and the question was no. The answer was obviously no, because that's why I made the decision. And that compass, Michael, allows you then to create your own map. So rather than relying on the map that society gives you, you then start creating your own path in life. And that path in life that you live, that's going to that's gonna give you much more freedom, fulfillment and happiness now. And it's also going to take you towards a greater level of that on the way as well. Hmm. I like that. So... When you were when you were getting started, you, you were you know let's let's take some steps back to when you were in the corporate world. You were yeah. in senior executive positions. 
How did you get to a point where you realized I need to do something different? Was, 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 did something happen? Did you read a book? Did you go through a course? What, what, what made that first, I guess, light bulb go off in your head? Yeah, I, I think it's an accumulation. Um, it wasn't really one. I always tell the story. I was just driving home from work one afternoon and actually it was one evening because it was nighttime at that point. And I, I grabbed a couple of beers from the, the local shop and, and went down to, we lived in a pretty, you know, beautiful part of Australia. And I went down to the local jetty. We live near this um, sort of river, oestry. And I went down there and I just sat there and had a couple of beers. And I was sitting there and I was just thinking about what life all meant. And look, I, I, you know, I wasn't in a bad situation. I was grateful for everything I had. I had, you know, properties. We had good investments. We had money coming in. I had a beautiful wife, you know, a child at the time. Um, things were things were pretty good, yeah. And but I just wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't really feeling feeling the love of life, you know, I was just looking at and reflecting on life and what it all meant. And I thought, can I do this? Can I keep this game up for, you know, the next 30 years until that, that stage where we say we can retire or 30 years, it might be 40 years. Um, and the question was, no, I just thought, you know, this doesn't, this, this isn't what life is about. And I was sure of that. And that's when I sort of had that, that ambition and that, that flow of thought to just change and do something different, do something that's more meaningful in life because i mean what is this existence we, we don't really know but we can say that we exist and do you want to exist in a a level of a level of suffering do you want to exist with some sort of feeling that's not great and you know i look at the stats now and and the stats say that about 80 percent of us aren't happy in in our current occupation you know we're dissatisfied with that and for me i had everything great outside of work like i had as i said i had the money the investments i had friends family love all that sort of stuff, but a big part of my time, which was working, you know, in corporate management, um, wasn't really satisfying. It wasn't really giving me much fulfillment, and there was a level of freedom lacking as well because I, I just felt trapped. Like I couldn't, um, when I wanted to, take the time off to spend time with family or important occasions. Um, so that level of freedom sort of felt restricting as well, and I've never been one to, you know, want to be restricted, and I, I think a lot of people can relate to that. So there was a few things missing from my life at the time. One, which was freedom, which I was more aware of at that time. And the other was fulfillment, which I wasn't too aware of. But those are the things that sort of made me go, well, why would I f stay in this, this, this dissatisfied life if there was another option? And that's what I started questioning. What if I could do something different? What if there was another option? And that's when you start questioning those things, then you, your mind starts searching for them. And that's when I found different opportunities. That led me into from from corporate management, and I love corporate management, Michael. It was great. I got to got manage really good people. You know, there was there was many aspects of the job that I loved, but it just didn't have that that level of significance to me. You know, it wasn't my path. It was it was a dream for someone else. Um, so that's when I, I started searching elsewhere, and I got into real estate. And certainly, real estate um, allowed me to have that greater level of freedom because I was essentially my own boss. I got to do my own schedule and I've always been a hard worker. So, you know, putting in the work wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It's, you've got to have some discipline around it, obviously. And if you don't have that discipline, you might take advantage of that freedom and then not have the success that you need to support your needs. So I got into real estate and then I had that, that level of freedom. It was great. Things were good. Money was coming in. My first year, I, I made over 200,000 comms, which is a good uh, first year salary for a real estate agent. But then I was driving along, Michael, about three years into my career as a real estate agent, and I was delivering some pamphlets. I, I, I bought a scooter and I just delivered about 5,000 pamphlets every week. And it took me a few hours and I listened to audio books. So, you know, there was a lot of 
ways to handle that, you know, because it's not the greatest task in the world. But I just stopped one day and I said, what the hell am I doing? Like, what does this mean? And I was just looking at my pamphlets going, I'm shoving, you know, shit into people's letterboxes. And what does that all mean? You know, what does that all mean? At the end of my life, how am I going to look back on that and, and make sense of it? And I couldn't make sense of it at that moment. You know, I was reflecting into the future and going, this just this doesn't feel right to me, you know. And, and that's where I really started connecting with that that piece of fulfillment. So it first came from freedom and then I found fulfillment and I started questioning, you know, what's fulfilling for me? What do I enjoy? And at that stage, Michael, I had the hidden why underway. It was a blog at the time. And certainly that's what I was enjoying. I was enjoying inspiring people and motivating people and, and you know, helping people see the, the world as I saw it and really remove people from the suffering existence that they had into a one that's more beautiful. And that was fulfilling to me. So that's when I sort of decided, well, hang on, there's, there's a sign here. Why not, you know, do the hidden wife full time? Why not make that my career? And that's, that's essentially how it's all come about. So how did you figure out that there was money to be made in the hidden while? I mean, you're speaking, you're coaching, you're writing, you're podcasting. What, what I guess was there a moment in which you realized I can I can actually make money doing this? And I, yeah, and I, I, d- I didn't really I don't really think about the money like I used to. I mean, I used to be driven by money a lot more. And look, I love money. I think money's great. It gets you a lot of good things and great experiences. Um, but certainly, I think people are driven by money to extremes where it just takes them on past that just aren't worth living. You know, like why? Why have money coming in if, if you're not you know happy? Um, that's what I that's what I see it as. So I didn't really think about the money, um, but if I answer that question now, like to be honest, how, there's 80 percent of the people in the workforce that aren't happy with what they're doing. Um, that's a clear sign that there's there's got to be some opportunity there, you know, to help these people. And certainly, I've, I was always um, seen as positive and energetic and and being the hidden why and and you know leading by example, living the life that I do. I thought, well, I'm a great person to help these people and inspire these people to, you know, start questioning their life and start living their life more fully as they truly desire. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I didn't look at the money side of things, Michael, but I definitely saw that there was an opportunity to help more people and and take it to the next level. And, and I, I still am taking it to the next level. You know, I'm not I'm not a big business or anything like that. Um, so I'm still growing and improving and, and doing all that. But um, there's certainly an opportunity there, I can see. So how did you make your first dollar online? Online, well, it was through that, that business I told you about, um, which is outsourcing workers to the Philippines. Okay. Huh. Um, as far as the hitting why, it's online. I don't know what came first, whether it was coaching or the speaking, and speaking wasn't online really. Um, so, yeah, I would say that it was from, it was probably coaching. Like, yeah, from the, the Hidden Why podcast, the Hidden Why website, and people hearing me and seeing me, then, then reaching out to me for help. Okay. That sounds good. So you're, you're, you're living in Australia. You talked a little bit about the transition from going from Australia to Japan and how you had to, there were some things you were questioning about whether or not there were going to be uh, challenges with, you know, keeping up with your speaking and coaching and things like that. Were, th- were there challenges? Were, uh, w- what are some things that, uh, I guess, happened that some other people might need to think about that have businesses similar to yours that are looking to make a move? Yeah, it depends where you go, um, I suppose. But if you're coming to Japan, I can certainly share some some of my experiences here. Um, look, for me, it's just a different landscape. You know, we've got a different language here, different culture, different set of customs. So you've got to sort of work with that and fit in. And I'm still sort of dealing with those challenges, to be honest, because we moved here. We moved here in March, and and then it was it took some time to sort of settle in and and get my footings right. And then the family came and, you know, you got to get the kids settled in, et cetera, et cetera. 
So I'm still figuring that out. But yeah, there's just different challenges because not uh, the the Japanese don't take motivational speaking, you know, like um, the people in the states or people in Australia take it. And again, you know, even Australia and America are quite different in in how we accept speakers. Um, it's a different landscape again. So I guess you've just got to figure out how you can adopt what you do into that different culture. And and I don't know if I can give any bits of advice, but Look, we're all human at the end of the day. So whatever um, culture you're used to, it's just about connecting with people. It's just about networking. And that's what I do. I do it online and I also um, do it face-to-face. So I go on to LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a great one for you know professional commercial application. So reaching out to, to people of influence in this area and saying, hey, what do you know and who do you know? You know, how, how can I do what I do here in Japan? So just asking the questions and, and taking that courage to reach out to people and it's surprising, Michael. A lot of people will have that fear to reach out. <clears throat> excuse me, to reach out to people, and I don't know where that fear comes from. I guess it's a, a fear of rejection. But once you reach out to people, yeah, you might not hear back from everyone, but you hear back from so many amazing people. Like in the last week, I've reached out to probably ten people here, and I've got three appointments, you know, for coffees. So that's that's really cool, and that's where you can make the connections and really figure out how you can do the work. So really, I would suggest that you just need to network when you come to somewhere. Just get out there and network, and you can also you know get belly to belly with people as well. So I've created a, a meetup group, which is done in Tokyo here, and and that's just about you know connecting with people and seeing what they like, seeing what they enjoy, and that's been you know quite eye opening for me as well because they're it's not it's it's just not the same as as how it would work in Australia. So. You just have to sort of test the waters and figure it out, and then if something works, then run with that. So when you were when you were trying to start this, I guess first with your uh, your outsourcing business, and then and then with your speaking coaching, you know, other businesses when you were moving out of the corporate world, what, did you have any limiting beliefs that you had to overcome? Did you have any challenges that you faced that um, that you can share with 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 us about um, how you overcame those sort of things, and and what I guess common, um, I guess walls that you had to push through that a lot of other people are going to should expect to face um when they if they try to do something similar hmm yeah good question um yeah i've got shitloads of limiting beliefs um, i guess and i still do i i think the the main ones that we have to deal with is fear um and it's the fear of the unknown or fear of doing something different it's also self-doubt which is your limiting beliefs and then we've got you know that conformity that domestication that we've we've come to live. So stepping off that path is is often challenging because you have to start questioning things and go, well, hang on, this is not normal. This is what not what people do. So how is it going to work? And then you start questioning yourself. How can I do this? How How is it possible for me to do that? And we all have those beliefs. And certainly when we aren't, we don't have that level of certainty around the, the new path that we want to take, um, we're going to have that fear that comes up. I, I don't, you know, I don't think there's any one rule that can help people get through that other than doing the work. And that's all that I could suggest is that if you have a, a level of fear, if you have a level of uncertainty, again, if you're connecting with the, the real reason why you're doing it and it makes sense, then just push through. That, that, that fear is a signal that you need to move towards it. And to move towards it, at the end of the day, whatever your fear, whatever your limiting beliefs are, just do the work. You know, just do the work. And, and that's what I have to do. It's, it's easy to, you know, get wound up and get caught in your head and, and allow your ego to overtake you because your ego is just trying to protect your, your self-definition. And when you're doing something different, that, that risks your ego, you know, changing its self-definition. So that's why you, you have that level of fear. 
And to, to get over that, it's really just to put your head down and just to do the work and, and watch what comes up, watch the opportunities come up. The, the how will eventuate, you know, things will just fold out as they are, are supposed to. But you need to take that action. You really need to just put one foot in front of the next and keep walking. And, and then you'll just, you'll, you'll follow the path. You'll figure out the way. You'll overcome those obstacles. And as you, as you do something, as you grow a little bit more, then your fear of that certain thing becomes less. I mean, there'll be new fears that come up as you, as you grow and progress. But that, that old fear that was there, that old limiting belief that was there suddenly will, will vanish or it'll, it'll slowly vanish. It may not happen quickly. You look at, um, for me as, as a public speaker, Michael, I was, excuse me, I was never, never great at speaking in front of people. At school, I hated presenting. I, I just was fearful of it. And I joined Toastmasters and I remember that first time I had to get up and speak and I was really nervous. I was sweaty. And once you sort of stand up there and speak, you know, things just flow. Like you just put on the spot and yeah, you might be a bit nervous or jittery and your ego might be going, well, how do you feel? You're embarrassing yourself. It might make, you know, make some questions come up in your head. But once you're up there and you get into flow, it's, it's just, it feels very natural. And I think a lot of people will experience that same thing. And then you sit down and, and suddenly your, your, your level of fear is a lot less. And, and next time you do it, you can do it with uh, a little bit more ease. You know, it didn't come easily to me straight away, certainly. But, I, you know, every time I did it, I just grew into that, that new zone. And that's just moving beyond our, our level of comfortableness and learning new things. And as we do that, um, it's just surprising what we can do. And, and I think, you know, it is the thing that holds a lot of us back is that fear and limiting belief of what we can do. But if you just do the work, you, you start to prove yourself what you can do and your, your confidence will grow and that'll allow you to do more work. So I think uh, I think a lot of people um, get the advice that some of, some of the, I guess, quickest way to make money uh, online is by coaching other people. And yeah. then they get to the wall of how do I find my clients? What am I going to coach them on? How do I demonstrate that? someone should pay money for what I have to coach them. So mm. did, did you have any of those thoughts about yourself? Uh, and, and, and do you have any advice for someone who's struggling with those sort of questions and trying to figure out like, how do I, how do I become a good coach? How do I find clients? How do I actually make this, make this work? Yeah. And I, I think a lot of, you know, it's, it's a bit trendy to, to do that coaching thing. To be honest, I don't, I only deal with a handful of clients at any one time because it's not my, it's not my major driver um, in, in what I do. Um, so I guess you, you sort of, if you're doing coaching, firstly, you have to question why you're doing it again. You have to go back to that why and, and what it means to you, because it's easily to get caught up in that trend and that idea that, oh, look at these coaches, geez, they're They're living on barley and living in hammocks and coaching people from an isolated location. It's a bunch of bullshit. Um, a lot of these people are, are living in these locations and then they're not, you know, living that well. And the reason why they're living in those locations is because they're cheap, so they don't need much to live on. <laughs> so you have to you have to remove that that bullshit from from what it all means to be a coach. And you know Tony Robbins, a great coach, um, a person that I look up to and admire greatly. But he does the work, you know, he's done the work. And so if you want to be a good coach, look at these great coaches that are out there, the people that actually are real. And you you don't see Tony Robbins, you know, taking pictures of himself on beaches and and living in hammocks. I'm sure he he's got his own island, doesn't he, somewhere. Um, but the truth is, if you see his real life, he works. He does the work. So if you want to be a coach, you need to do the work. And that starts with the learning. You know, you need to really learn what it means to be a coach. Then you need to 
you need to apply that. You need to express that. You need so because that helps you know reinforce the learnings that you, you're creating as well. And then you need to also hire a coach for yourself. You need to have a coach because if you can't justify um, someone hiring you to be a coach um, because you don't have your coach yourself, then you're not going to have much wins, are you? So really, I think everyone needs a coach, and and you know it doesn't need to be that 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 expensive. Um, there's plenty of options online these days, like there's that site coach.me. I've had a few um, chats with some people from there on my podcast, and that's an affordable way to get a coach. So I think you need to do the work firstly in that that field of coaching, um, become the expert in the, any particular area that you want, and then you know hire a coach to to help you grow that as well. And then once you do that, then you know start helping people. Just start coaching people. I, I started just simply by reaching out to people and and offering help. Um, without you know any requests for money until it grew to a point where I can just now you know people come to me and, and it's just like look this is what I do this is how I can help you is it a fit um, and that's a fit for me do I want to work with that person and is it a fit for them do they want to work with me and once you do that it's it's just again about networking you know it's it's easy to get caught up in lo- online and say okay well I need to do this Facebook marketing thing I need to you know, do more Twitter campaigns or, or get on Snapchat. I mean, all that to me is a bunch of BS as well, um, to be honest, because that's not where it is at. It's, it's at, you know, face-to-face interactions with people. And once you have that first client, you know, talk with them and say, hey, look, look, how are you feeling about our coaching? If they're feeling good, they're going to recommend you. Say, look, is there anyone else you know that, that you know, could do with some coaching? And that's when you start creating those those links and networks and soon you can grow your numbers. And it depends on how many people you want to coach. As I said, I coach, you know, five to ten people at any one time. So um, if, if I do more than that, it just limits the amount of attention I can give to my speaking and writing. Uh, so that's – is that answer your question there, Michael? Yeah, that, yeah, it does. It does. I advice. appreciate that. So mm. so uh, when you're talking about coaching and hiring coaching, and thanks for, for mentioning uh, coach.me because I've, I've personally never heard of that. So I'll, I'll check that out. I'm sure there are probably some other people that – uh, aren't, aren't aware of that either um i've never but, used it myself but it's it's quite good for you know areas that you want help in i mean i'm a i'm a bit of an overall coach i guess i help people with lifestyle and that's really around that that life compass and and really getting down to the nitty-gritty with that but then i help them through the performance application as well and coach.me like if you want to give up cigarettes or if you want to stop biting your fingernails or something like that you know any of those those things that you do you can hire a coach specifically to help you with that. And it's, it's, I think it's less than a cup of coffee a week, you know, and that's pretty affordable coaching. Oh, really? Yeah, that, that is affordable coaching. So can you, can you talk about like, you know, you mentioned that coaches need their own coaches. What sort of coaches or mentors did you have and what did they help you with? I started, it took me a long time to get a coach, to be honest. Um, and, and you know, that's something that I should have done sooner when I was in real estate, I got a coach pretty early in my career there because I realized I needed to learn quickly because it was totally new to me. Um, so I definitely, I hired a coach pretty much straight away and I found a coach through one of these seminars that I went to and um, I actually got two coaches in the, the one package pretty much. So that really helped me transform in real estate. And then I thought, well, why, why would you not get a coach in life? You know, if I want to live this life I want to live, why wouldn't you get a life coach? Um, But before that, Michael, I started, you know, and it's easy now, like this is where I'd advise anyone to start with if they're questioning, well, I don't really have the money to afford a coach because coaches aren't uh, aren't necessarily always cheap. Um, You know, for my real estate coach, I think it was a few thousand dollars um, for a a certain amount of time. I think it was six months or something. So that was, you know, not that cheap. But 
you can go out there and just you know listen to podcasts like yours, Michael. You can you can jump online and listen to podcasts. You can get audio books. You can read books. Um, you know, there's so much information out there. There's so much access that we've got these days to great mentors and coaches for free. Um, and that's where I would advise people start. Just start there and and learn these lessons from other people. And then once you you know you grow up your your level of confidence or your business or if you've got the the money to back you then yeah hire a coach search for the coach that suits you and what I learnt and this is what I'd suggest is look for the coach that can help you in the areas that you need help with and look for the coach that has uh, can 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 prove that they've done it themselves so the people that lead by existence so my coach was a coach that I could see he does what I want to do you know he was a coach himself. He was um, a speaker. He still is a speaker. So I could learn those things from him and learn what he did to apply to my own business. So that's that's probably the advice I'd give. Start off online, man. There's, there's plenty of information out there. Start reading. Turn off the TV and just start educating yourself. And, you know, there's mentors and people around. I think everyone that we meet, uh, Michael, we can learn something from. And, and that's why I love doing what I do on the podcast because I just interview these great people talk with people every day and I don't know what the conversation is going to be about necessarily because I don't do much prep work um, but at the end of it I always go away with some learning some reflection to think on and, and that helps me grow even further huh. I like that so are there any um, I guess uh, nuggets that you've learned from your podcast that you'd like to share nuggets you mean like <laughs> just like just like interesting things that uh, about you know about the hidden why that that uh, kind of changed your perspective or even just something that was um, that you thought was helpful or, or insightful, um, because I feel like, the, you know, with, with every conversation, there's so much um, so many elements of and, and I, I use the word nugget just because sometimes it, it can be a, an hour long conversation and someone can say one thing and that whole that one thing changes every everything. So I didn't know if there were any. Any things like that that you can think of throughout your interviews that uh, that you thought would yeah. be helpful to share? There's so many, Michael. There's there's just too many to mention. I guess the the biggest thing that for me that I've learnt um, is just to to stop fighting, stop fighting life. I I I feel that we we feel the need to to live this certain way and you know behave this certain way and. I feel it causes us a lot more stress and and you know unhappiness, I guess, in life than than we otherwise could already start living. And I think everything we need is already within us. I think really to open up that path, just let it unfold. You know, enjoy this experience for what it is. You know, be ambitious, be have big dreams and and all that stuff. Do the work that it takes. Mm-hmm. Stop getting caught up in the trap that you you think you have to you know do life in a certain way and just start doing it as it feels natural to you. And that's when you find just this greater sense of being and existence. And to me, that's how I feel, you know, these days. I I seriously, Michael, get up and I, I just I enjoy I get up at 4.30, so it's not like I just sleep in or live on a hammock every day. <laughs> but I get up and I, I do what feels good to me. And, and getting up at 4.30 actually feels good to me because I, I can do my yoga and my walk in the morning and that gives me great time to really reflect and connect. And then I can just do the work that I love. And that really is is fulfilling and I used to I guess how I used to live life it was just a fight it was a constant battle you know force yourself to get out of bed force yourself to you know exercise and that was painful I didn't like doing that and then you sort of force yourself to start work and didn't really like the work that I was doing at the time and 
it just was this constant battle. And what was I doing it for? Well, essentially, I was just chasing a dream that I thought, you know, was was my dream, but it wasn't. It was someone else's dream, and that dream was just, you know, the standard dream that we all have, and that's, you know, to earn money and 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 buy a house and buy a nice car and really show it off to other people, and that's a load of, you know, it's just a, a an egotistical designed life, and and that's the life that society's created. And I feel that the biggest learning that I've had from doing this podcast is that that's not what it's about. Life isn't about that. Life is an experience. It's here to be enjoyed. And to do that, it's really about creating that awareness. And that's really what I've learned in the last several years, um, in the last couple of years from doing the podcast, but even in the last several years, is really just creating that awareness, creating that space. And and that will allow you to be more conscious about the, the direction you're taking in life. And, and you'll just enjoy the process much more. I think happiness comes in the pursuit. And when, you, when that pursuit is your own pursuit, that's when you really find that greater happiness. It's not about achieving an end goal. It's not about, you know, reaching 60 so you can retire. It's not about earning a million dollars so you can buy a nice house on the Hampton somewhere and, and live a great life. You know, it's not all about that. For some people it might be, but I don't really believe that for most it is. It's really about just doing life as you as you really want to do it and living it as largely as you can. So creating that awareness, Michael, is, is really what it's about. First, you just need to create it all the time and everything you can do. You know, there's you know, meditation is one thing I never used to do. And I just heard all these successful people talking about it. So I said, okay, well, shit, I'll give it a go. Um, and I just used to sit in my room, turn the light off in the morning and, and just sit there and try and meditate. I didn't know what I was doing, but that certainly helped create some space. And, and I've grown on that sense um, as far as meditation. And then, you know, removing yourself, removing yourself from from your environment, just disconnecting, you know. Stop locking yourself in the office every day and then coming home and locking yourself in front of the TV. You know, get out there and go for a walk in the woods. There's there's a magical connection that happens when you're in nature because suddenly you're removed from all this distraction and noise around you and, and you've got this, you have this greater unity with the world. And, and the thing is, and I read this actually in The Alchemist recently, it's, you know, we've all come from the same creation. We've all come from the same place. A grain of sand has the same beauty as as the soul of another human or, or a tree that exists. You know, we've all got that same beauty that's been evolving for millions of years. And and when you're in nature, you feel that unity. You, you stop, you know, you just remove yourself from all that other stuff that you think is so important. And it really isn't, you know, it really isn't that important. And that level of awareness then helps you live with more purpose. It allows you to take more purposeful action. And, and that's what I essentially do is really help businesses or people, um, you know, live a more purposeful path. I like that. So, Lee, thanks so much for sharing that. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure that uh, the listeners have gotten a lot from this conversation because I've I've personally gotten a lot from it. Um, and I wanted to know before we close out, um, how can the Baller Circle get in touch with you and learn more about your business and your podcast and the different things that you do? Yeah, just jump online, mate. Um, so, for the listeners out there, it's thehiddenwhy.com. You can jump on there and I've got the resources. There's a discovery question I told you about. There's a bunch of other stuff there. You can tune into the podcast, the Hidden Why um, podcast, and that is I release five episodes a week. So two interviews with special guests and then I do some a uh, couple of thoughts, one quick thought and one sort of longer solo show with myself. It's just uh, essentially me talking, um, which some people may not enjoy. And then I do a book review because I read a book a week. So I, I review a book that I've read. Um, just to give some insight oh, into nice. what that book's about and also just my reflections on, on what I read and, and how I interpreted it. 
And that just allows people to assess whether it's a book that they'd want to read as well. Again, you know, it's five episodes a week. It's a lot to consume, and I, I don't want to demand that time from people. I think there's more important stuff that they can do. But, you know, there's still some learnings there. So, you know, check it out and, and have a listen and choose what you want to, you know, tune into there. Um, but certainly jump on the hiddenwide.com, connect with me there, and, um, yeah, reach out. Sounds good. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate the time, Lee. It's been brilliant, man. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. That's our show for today. As usual, thanks for listening. You can check out the blog post for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.